0: are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.
1: Well, good morning, Riverside. Good morning, everyone up at the Mills. It is good to be worshiping with you today on this uh, this day at the beginning of a new school year. I'm excited for everybody that's going back except those who, uh, well... Those who don't want to, right? Uh, Parents, I think, are excited, some, to see their kids go. Kids may not be so excited, some might be. Teachers, I know you've been working hard, getting ready, and administrators, we're praying for you, as we did last week. I wanted to remind you about that, to keep praying for our students as they start off a new year together. We are in a sermon series called Align, getting our faith in line, getting our faith in the right place. And we're doing that by looking up, looking down, and looking around. Last week we said, look up to the birds of the air. Jesus said that God takes care of them, God's going to take care of you. So seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, and everything will be added to you. Today we're going to look down at the soil, look down at the ground. Next week we're going look to look around and see how the seeds grow and how it's just spreading and expanding. And so, if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, we're going to look at a story that Jesus told. It's recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But uh, today we're going to focus on Luke 8. It's in Matthew 13 and Mark chapter 4 also. And I I alluded to kids going back to school because I, I think as you realize, as well as I do, that some are ready to go back and some aren't. There's been a lot of studies about kids that go enter education who are not ready to learn. They've not had the same opportunities, perhaps, as other children have gone, have had. And, you know, there are parents out there this week or last week, they're buying new clothes, they're getting book bags, they're getting supplies. That, but not every, ch- every child has that opportunity to come to school with parents who are behind them, who are supporting them. Some kids come to school, they're, they, they have all the right conditions to learn, but others come in, they're ill-prepared. And it's tragic when they do. It's tragic when they do, because persons, uh, children who come from schools that don't value education or don't have the means or the ability to have what other kids have, uh, they come to school hungry. They they enter school not having had the environment that has already got their minds, their little minds learning and growing. They don't know their numbers. They don't know their alphabet. A lot of things that parents teach their kids, some kids don't have. They have little stimulation outside of school, and they've not had it before they come. Some of them come hungry. Some of them come without, without even supplies. They come to school, and they don't even have a pencil. They don't have notebooks. They don't have backpacks. Their parents just throw them on a bus and hope they make it, and it's tragic. It's tragic. And they've never had a book read to them. Um, and, and we know it's proven, in fact, that when kids come to school and they're not ready to learn, they start behind and they never catch up. They don't ever catch up, no matter how good the school is, no matter how great their teachers are. If they start off behind some kids, maybe a few can catch up, but most kids that start behind stay behind, and it affects them the rest of their lives. It is tragic that some people have the cards stacked against them. But I want to also make a spiritual application. The point is that our preparation will determine our outcome. Our readiness to learn, our readiness to receive, our readiness to grow makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. And as it is for children entering school, it is for we who are saying, God, I want to grow spiritually. And if we're not prepared and ready to grow, then God's ability to work in us is hindered. Not because God is, is not doing what God's doing, but our spiritual soil isn't prepared. And that's what Jesus was talking about in this story. So he tells the story, and again, it's in the three synoptics, and, uh, and it goes like this. Basically, he said a farmer went out to sow some seed, and he's scattering the seed all around. And some of the seed falls on the path and it gets trampled on and birds come and they just steal it away. Some of the seed falls on rocky ground and it might sprout up, but, but the problem with that is it withers because it doesn't have moisture and the sun just causes it to, uh, to dry up. Other seed, he says, falls upon the thorns and so the former it falls on the thorns and what happens is the thorns grow up And they choked the good seed, and so there's no harvest. But then he said, some of the seed fell upon good soil. And when it came up, it yielded a crop. Some of the versions say 30, 60, 100 fold. And here it says 100 times what was sown. And then Jesus spoke to the crowd. There was a large crowd listening to them. And he said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. In fact, in Mark's gospel, he begins with listen and he ends with if you have ears to hear, you better hear. In fact, here in Luke's gospel, verse 18, he goes on to say that, you know, if anybody listen carefully how you listen, because whoever has much more will be given. And if you don't have what you have will be taken away. That sounds pretty harsh, but it gets to our spiritual readiness to hear from God. If you come and you're ready to learn, God can build upon that. But if you're not ready, then what you have will be quickly taken away by those different conditions that Jesus talked about. So here in this parable, there's, there's, there's four conditions revealed by Jesus. But the point is that the conditions of your heart to receive from God makes all the difference in your life. So we're going to do some examining this morning. We're going to look in our own hearts. And, and the first condition that Jesus goes on to explain, and this is one of the few parables that Jesus went on to explain the meaning of the parable. He goes on and he gives definition. He says, those along the path are the people who hear, and then the devil comes and take away, takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Now, we know that in the parable, God is the farmer scattering the seed. The seed is the word of God, the voice of God. The, 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 uh, in, in their world, it would have been not only the Hebrew Scriptures that they were all familiar with, but the words of the, of the prophets, the words of the rabbis and the teachers of the day. And Jesus was specifically speaking about his, his take on the Hebrew Scriptures. And, and he says, some of it falls upon a path, and some of that path is the people who hear, but their hearts are hard. Their hearts are hard. The evil, evil one comes, and, and the seed just doesn't penetrate their hard hearts. And that's a tragic thing. It's a tragic thing that God is always trying to, to help people to grow and to be nurtured, but their hearts are just hard. And, and it doesn't work. It just bounces off of them. And so the the question is, what is it that causes a person's heart to be hard? What causes a hardened heart? Well, I think hearts get trampled, right? I mean, hearts get trampled. They get trampled by others. I mean, hurt, painful experiences, disappointments. I mean, I've known people where they've had tragedy in their life and they get mad at God as if God was the cause of it and their hearts are hard and nothing can penetrate that hard heart because they blame the bad things. If God is good, why would he let that bad thing happen? And we've all known people, their hearts get so hard and they develop, to protect themselves from further hurt, they just develop calluses over their heart. So some of the hurt, is hurt from outside of them, but then you know as well as I do, there are those of us and people who, their hearts get trampled because of self-inflicted wounds. Right? Mistakes, regrets, disappointments, immorality, corruption, depravity. I mean, sin hardens hearts. Sin makes a person's heart hard to the voice of god and when we continue to feed that in our sinful nature if we feed that we inflict spiritual wounds on our hearts and we develop hard hearts that are callous to god's voice being able to work in us and speak us and so a hard heart becomes impenetrable it becomes oblivious to god's voice and when that happens the devil has free reign the birds of the air come they can snap it snatch the seed away the devil has free reign in a person whose heart is so hard and you know what? This can happen at any time. This can happen at any time. So, you know, I used to think that this story, this, this story was just about the salvation message. Well, some people believe in Jesus' saving grace and some people don't. But I, I think it's, it's about God's voice speaking at any time. And, and regarding all things in life. And the condition of our heart at any time of life can become hardened or it can become thorny or it can become rocky and we need to we need to be careful and that we don't harden our hearts because folks life is hard life can be pretty painful life can be brutal and 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 so we need to be careful when when, when we are attacked, when we're maligned, when somebody hurts us, when tragedy strikes unexpectedly, when life doesn't turn out the way we had scripted it to turn out, we can, either, we can either be open to what God wants to do through our brokenness, because God's strength is made perfect in our weakness and in our broken places is where we grow deeper with God, or we can protect those broken places and get hard and, and cease to be receptive to what God wants to do in our life. So when hurt comes your way, whether it is self-inflicted or whether it's others-inflicted or just life-inflicted, you can rise up and recoil or or you can you can turn toward God. But remember that if you reject, if you rise up, if you recoil, you keep repeating the hurt, you keep playing over the pain, you keep going over the regret, you keep playing that record over and over, it is going to just cause your heart to get more and more hard and more and more calloused. And when you harbor those images and those words, you're not allowing God to bring healing, healing into your heart. And I want you to know this morning, if you are resonating with this today, There is no heart too hard that God cannot break through if you will just soften, if you will open your heart to God. And maybe that's you here this morning. The second heart condition he talks about is the shallow heart. He he says in verse 13 of Luke 8, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they don't have root. They don't have any roots. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So that's the seed that that falls upon the rocks. This is a person who, you know, they listen to God's voice. But, you know, and, and they start off strong. There's, they resonate with the, with the gospel. Redemption rings true in their heart. And they want to be a part of the redemption story. And that feels great because, man, I thank God for what Jesus can do. We got all excited about that. But they think that that's the ticket to the easy life. And when life gets hard, they fall away. They, they wither away. Why why do people so quickly turn away from from God's voice when God wants to do a work in us? I just think that there are a lot of Christians who are fair-weather fan Christians. You know, we Pittsburghers, there's a lot of those around here, right? The Pirates doing great. Oh, those are great. And they go to seven-game losing streak. They stink. We need to fire this person. We need to get rid of that person. They're awful. You know... Fire the coach. Fire the players. We, we're fair weather fans. And I think that there are a lot of fair weather fan Christians. But you know what? Jesus didn't call us to be fans of God. Jesus called us to be followers. Jesus called us to be followers. In fact, in fact, I am so excited. We are already making plans to start off 2015, the year 2000, next year with an all-church-wide campaign called Not a Fan, Not a Fan. And it's about we're not fans of Jesus, we're going to be followers of Jesus. And what does that look like? And uh, it's a campaign that other churches have done, and I am so excited about that. And I know that God's going to do a fantastic work in this church. But I don't think we need to wait till January for God to do a work. I don't think we need to wait for then for God to change some hearts and get us in line with Him. People people turn away from God so easily because they're fans and they're followers, But but also sometimes there's a drought. They're suffering spiritual drought. I have discussions with people way too often who say you know God's just not working in my life anymore or or they're saying things like, you know, they're struggling with a decision or they have situations in their life and they just say that, man, church is so dry or faith, my faith is so dry. God's just not meaning speaking to me anymore. God's not doing what God wants to do. And I just feel so empty. And inevitably in the conversation, you'll ask, well, what are you doing to, to water the soil? What are you doing? Are you reading your Bible? Are you talking to God? Are you talking to God about this? And inevitably they'll say, no, I I haven't. And, you know, sort of like, which is the cart and which is the horse? I'm spiritually dry and therefore I don't read my Bible and I don't pray and I don't, you know, worship. I'm not in community and I'm not feeling it. Or is it they're not feeding themselves and they grow dry? And I think that maybe there's a little bit of both, but I think more often than not, I know that my heart can grow dry too. Even in the midst of doing a lot of great things for God and doing the work of ministry and getting in people's lives, surely I'm more involved in things of God because of my my vocation, my calling, but even those in ministry can have hearts that grow dry if we're not careful. You, you might get emotionally uplifted for a while. You might get excited for God for a while. And, you know, God is good and the good things of God, the grace, the mercy, all that stuff is, is, fills you with joy. But, but you can't live on your emotions And when tough times come, if you're not nurturing that, if you're not feeding that, if you're not continuing to remind yourself of that, you grow dry. And a lot of people, you know, if you think that a 35-minute message on a Sunday morning is enough to feed you spiritually, you go out six days a week and you're just not talking to God, you're not reading, you're not listening, you're not not looking for the God moments in your everyday life, you're going to grow dry. This isn't enough for you. It is your responsibility to nurture your spirit by being ready and receptive to God's word, God's voice speaking to you. But it can happen to any of us. And then the third condition of the heart he talks about is the distracted heart. And he says, this is the seed that fell among the thorns. It stands for those who hear, but as they go their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. And I would dare say that This speaks probably to the majority of we Western Christians. We American Christians. Because we have so many distractions. A person who listens to God's voice, they have good intentions. But there are so many other voices in their world and in their life that it just drowns out that still small voice of God. So what are those voices that overshadow God's voice in our lives? Well, Jesus says three things. He talks about He talks about worries, He talks about wealth, and he talks about wants, our pleasures or our desires. Worries distract us. Last week, that's what the message is all about that. If you didn't hear it, listen to the podcast from last week. Jesus taught us not to worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Each day has enough worries of its own. That doesn't mean we don't have worries for today but we need to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness and let God put all of our worries into perspective so we don't waste a lot of worry that we should not be worrying about. Worries distract us. Wealth distracts us. The greater our disposable income, the more we have to distract us. Right? Right? I mean... More options to do things, more ways to entertain ourselves, more things that we can do with with that money. we got to find a way to invest it, find a way to have fun with it, find a way to spend it, find a way to do this. Maybe even finding ways to give it away, but it's just more to worry about, more things to distract us. And we're spending more time meditating on how the stock market is going than we do meditating on what God's word is saying to us. And I think that that's tragic because it distracts us from what's more important because all that wealth isn't going to go with you when you go. It can lead you astray. It can distract you. Is it sinful to have wealth? No, but beware, it's much harder if you have a lot of wealth to stay soft before God because you have more to distract you. And riches don't choke a person all at once. It's a gradual process. It's like the weeds in Jesus' parable. They just grow up slowly, but before long, they grow bigger and they spread better than the good seed. And it just drowns everything else. It chokes everything else out. So it's worries, it's wealth, and it's our wants. It's our pleasures that distract us. And I've spoken about this so much. We have so many ways to, to entertain us now. And you know... In, in this digital age, and I keep harping on this because I fight, I fight, I struggle with my cell phone. My gosh, there's so many distractions, so many notifications, so many tweets, so many things. I got an email, I got a tweet, I got a, got a Facebook stat, got to check this, got to check that, got to do this, got to spend my time reading what everybody else is doing in their world, like it really matters in mine, but I really am nosy and curious to see what people are saying and what, you know, what, how many are getting doused this day and how many are doing, you know, and it's like, oh, man. And time goes by without even realizing it. I haven't read the Bible. I haven't talked to God. I haven't read a good book. I haven't done what I need to do. And it's just so many distractions. And it just chokes out what God's wanting to say. Anybody else like me? Anybody else feel that in their life? Yeah, yeah. Satan's battle cry is divide and conquer. Divide their minds, divide their hearts, divide them from what the one true thing is, and you'll prevent God from developing a bumper crop in their life. So we need to ask ourselves, you need to ask yourself, what is it that I'm really living for? Am I living for myself? Am I living for all the other distractions? Or am I really living for God? Is God in control or am I in control? Is is stuff controlling me? And when our focus is on our fleeting pleasures and our personal ambitions and our hearts are full of thorns, God gets choked out in our life. And we are worse because of it. And that's the lie of temptation is it's always promising that your life will be better but you know as well as I do, those cookies taste so good going down, but they don't always taste so good afterwards, do they? And they're not good for you. And all those pleasures and all those things, they, 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 they're so attractive, but they, they hurt us in the long run. But then he goes on and he says, but then there is the expectant heart. The seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word they retain it, and they per- persevere producing a crop that's that's the heart that is saying, god, God, I don't want to I don't want to be hard and calloused, I'm broken, I'm trampled on, I'm hurt, but God, God, I know that you work in the broken places. God, you know it's your your grace and your mercy is great, and I love it, and I love what you do for me, but God, I don't want it all to be about me, God. God, I want you to work through me too, not just in me, but through me. And I, and I don't want to be all about me, so I'm up and down with the way my, my my feelings are every day. God, there are so many things that are in this world that aren't all bad things. They're good things, but they're so distracted. God, I want to keep you first and foremost in my mind and in my thoughts. God, God, I want to, I want to hear from you not just Sunday when I come to church, not just in my small group. And I hope that you, you sign up for a small group in a couple of weeks when we do that and look through the catalog this week and figure out what, where you could fit because that's one way to feed your soil, the soil of your heart in community and in, in growing with others. That's a big way to do that. But, but God, I don't want it to be what I, I want it. God, I need. I need you. I need you in the broken times, and the good times. In the tough times, and I need you to be that and I need to tune out the distractions and tune into your voice so that I can hear from you. Two things that I want you to take away from this. Number one, notice the sower is persistent. God is persistently sowing his seed on all the soils, all the time. God is not stopping speaking. God is constantly communicating. The trouble isn't, is God speaking? The trouble is, are we ready to receive what God is saying? The sower is persistent, and the soil needs to be ready. The question is, are you ready? What if you were? What if you were ready for God to do something new in your life? What if you were ready for God to change you or challenge you or stretch you in some way? What What if you were ready to receive God's seed? What if every heart in this place and sitting in the mills and everybody that's listening to my voice right now, what if all of us were ready soil for God to do something? Could you imagine it? I mean, if all the soils of all of our hearts were soft and ready... If God were to start planting some seeds in us, and they went down and they sprouted up, there's no telling what God can do in us. It, it, but we're so distracted. Our hearts are so hard sometimes. We're so, we're so up and down with God sometimes. Let's, folks, my prayer for you is that you'll be ready, but my prayer for Riverside, Our team, our staff, our leadership, volunteers, everybody who calls. My prayer for us is that we will be good soil. Let's be good soil. Let's be good soil. Let's be good soil. We are so thrilled to have back visiting with us some of our favorite people, Steve and Christy Pink and Tequila. They were here on staff and two years ago. These were two people that said, God, I want you to plant us. I don't know exactly what that's always going to look like, but we're ready to go. And they felt God calling them to go to Cambodia. And in Cambodia, they were going to create a social enterprise with design and art and help uh, 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 disciple children that are graduating from our uh, the orphanages there and give them vocational training and sustainable income and 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 they've been doing that but they couldn't even imagine what god was going to be doing through them and i want you to hear this story of how god has been producing a fruit a crop through these folks give a nice welcome to steve and christy up at the mills welcome back steve good to see you yes. and so my question steve for you is what does what does this scripture mean for you uh,
0: i mean so much so much and uh Maybe many of you don't know my story. Some of you do. But uh, I didn't come to a faith in Jesus until I was 30 years old. And uh, all of the baggage and the damage and the mistakes that that implies, you know, dominated my life for years before that. So when I came to a faith in Jesus, um, the soil in my heart was very, very rocky and full of garbage and pollution. But fortunately, one of those seeds got through. (laughs) Fortunately, at one point, something got in there and got planted and started to grow. And then the Holy Spirit got... uh, took control of my life and started tending to that soil and adding fertilizer and water and, you know, spiritual water and sunshine to that, and things started to grow. At first, it was simple grass, you know, a little bit of thin grass coming up, but fortunately it was nice and green. I hadn't seen that before, some nice, green, healthy grass. But eventually over time, I got involved in Riverside Community Church. We were members here for 12 years, Mm -hmm. and I was on staff for 10 years. And uh, these awesome ministries and the Holy Spirit, of course, were continuing to tend to that spiritual soil in me. And uh, just things started to grow. Uh, Things that I could not have imagined were inside of me, that God was planting there and growing there. Uh, Of course, the most important thing for any of us, and especially in my life, is he was growing Christian character. You know, um, I was starting to see things coming up in me like joy and kindness and love and gentleness and patience and all these wonderful, wonderful things that Jesus and the Holy Spirit happens for us. And that's the most important crop in my mind. But uh, especially for Christy and to Kayla and myself, uh, one of the more significant things too that God was growing was ministries. Uh, we wanted to get involved, man. We were just loving it so much being around Jesus and Jesus people and the church and Riverside. It was just such a fantastic place for us to start to grow. And uh, we uh, started, you know, kind of stepping in. A little bit of ministry here, a little bit of ministry there, and it just kept growing. And uh, eventually, of course, this led us to Cambodia. And one thing that I've learned recently, and Pastor was just referring to this, is you cannot imagine what is there. You just don't know you might begin to kind of discern what this sprout is or what this little bit of thing coming up is and kind of try and imagine what the shape of that's going to become. But you don't know what kind of plant or shrub or tree that's going to be. You don't know what kind of fruit it, it's going to bear. And uh, we had a plan when we went to Cambodia, and we're still doing that plan. We're still pursuing it faithfully, and I can share some more details about that with the ministry creation house that we started, the social enterprise uh, after service. I'll talk to you about that. One of the things we could never, ever have anticipated doing was planting a church. Now, of course, this is something that a lot of missionaries do, but I just was like, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what that looks like. I don't. What kind of gifts does that require? I had no idea. But for this past year, we have been planting a church in Cambodia. Um, yes.
1: I think we have some pictures, too, we could show. Yeah, we'll
0: get to that. Yeah, the... Um, the uh, uh, We are one of three families in executive leadership of this church, and I am one of the pastors on staff of the church, another thing I really could not have anticipated. Uh, I'm responsible for preaching and teaching on a regular basis. Uh, I'm also, of course, responsible for graphic arts, and uh, I also lead small groups. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those of you that knew me, I was always the guy that hid behind the media booth back there, and I was not really comfortable getting up in front of people and, and talking, and now God has shown me that this is a possibility with his help and with his leading. Uh, similarly for Christy, um, the church started out one year ago, and we had about 15, peop- uh, 15 children that were uh, staff children that were coming to the church. And they were essentially kind of set off to the corner, and they were being babysat. And they were uh, watching videos and playing games and playing with toys and things like that. And Christy looked at that, and she's like, you know what? They deserve to learn about Jesus too. They deserve to grow in their faith as well. So she got involved with that, and here a year later, she is the children's ministry director of the church. She has a big, big, gifted staff, and we have a 100 children in our children's ministry. And Christy is leading that. Pretty awesome. And uh, Teantla, of course, is involved as well. She is uh, in the media ministry, and uh, she works a long, hard day on Sundays running the uh, media in the back. She runs We are a very uh, media-heavy church ministry. Uh, I took a lot of that with me from Riverside. <laughs> but uh, we have a lot of images and graphics and videos that we use regularly. And Tequila has shown an incredible competency at doing that. And uh, she does that every Sunday. Great. So uh, you don't know what God's going to grow in your heart if you're not distracted and you let it happen and you just open up and pursue it.
1: And so you're discovering, Steve, that... <clears throat> God was able to do more from, in your heart, more in your giftedness than you ever imagined. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And because you were ready and open to that, God's been able to do more than you could ever think. But I think that places are like spiritual soil, too. And, you know, people talk about Europe, you know, has been burned over, and so the soil is very hard there, and America is becoming more like that. Um, because of all the distractions and the wealth and all of that, that it's more burned over and it's harder. But what's the soil of Cambodia like? <laughs> I mean, that's a place that went through literal hell back yes. in the 90s. And, uh, but now, what's God doing there?
0: Yeah, the metaphor that came to mind, we talked about this before, is like how those redwood forests and stuff were in like Yellowstone. There'll be like a, a big fire that comes through and destroys all of those beautiful trees and plants. But afterwards, the soil somehow becomes incredibly more fertile. And we are at a time in Cambodia where we are benefiting from the hard blood, sweat, and tears of other missionaries that came before us, like the Gepperts and SEAPC and some others that went there. And the spiritual soil in Cambodia could not be healthier. Mm. It is right now just so fertile, and the harvest is ready, man. I mean, the sky is the limit in Cambodia right now. So you started with three
1: families a year ago saying, we want to start a church. Yes. What's, What's the average... Attendance on a weekend now in the church there in Siem Reap.
0: Well, let me quickly give you the give you the 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 arc there. Go ahead. We started out with 30 people in our church, okay. And the plan—it's been one year old right now. The plan was to do team building and culture building in the church for one year. Let's build a little bit of a team. Let's find out what's possible, you know, in Cambodia with our style. Nobody in Cambodia, yet in our region, at the very least, is doing church with our kind of approach and with our style, so we were wanting to experiment with that and so on. Uh, We had some Khmer that were coming, Cambodians that were coming and attending, uh, people that we met, we would invite them to come along, or friends of the families, and slowly but surely, word of mouth would spread, and over a a a uh, two-and-a-half-month period, we grew to about 50 people in attendance. Then, we had a Christmas party, okay? Okay? And one of the, the w- w- things that we share in common in our strategic uh, leadership team is that we go large or we go home. Uh, we do everything with excellence. We, and we believe that the sky is the limit and nothing is impossible for God. So we had this awesome uh, Christmas party and we invited anybody and everybody we could find in the city of Siem Reap where we were in. And ultimately, 500 people attended that party. Wow. 500 Cambodians. And uh, after that... Um, our numbers jumped up to almost 200 in attendance at the church. And then not long after that, in April, it was Easter. We're like, hey, we did Christmas. (laughs) We got to do Easter. And also that time of year is the new year for the Cambodians, which is the biggest event of their year. So we were like, okay, let's do a restart festival. Okay, we planned this thing out, strategized it. I designed all these flyers and tickets that we were handing out to everybody we would meet. We'd be like on our motos driving around, like handing them out, handing them out, everywhere we went. Um, and we had a big Easter restart festival. And on Friday night, we had a movie night with popcorn. And we watched The Passion of the Christ with Kamai Dub, um, Cambodian dubbing. It wasn't quite so good, but they got the message. Um... <laughs> On Saturday, we had a praise and worship extravaganza. It was music night, and we did praise and worship for a couple hours, and then we had a big dance party afterwards, and the Khmer love partying and dancing. They go to That's their highlight of their lifestyle. They go to weddings, you know, and they love just, like, putting on nice clothing as, as best as they can and just celebrating together. So we had a big, fun party that night, and then Sunday was Super Sunday, and we had a uh, big uh, barbecue, and then we... we uh, capped it all off with baptisms, which was fantastic. And then after the restart festival, our numbers bumped up to 300. Wow. So currently it's been a year, and we are averaging 300 Cambodians in attendance every Sunday.
1: That's fantastic.
0: And, uh, yes, please do it. Yes, awesome. To God be the, I mean, God set this thing up perfectly. The perfect people at the perfect place at the perfect time with the same strategies, the same heart. Uh, when I return, about three days after we get back, and this is going to be tight turnaround, we're having our grand opening. Okay, we're not actually officially a church yet. With 300 in attendance, we're having a grand opening, and I designed flyers for that as well. And we're inviting everybody, and everybody, and everybody. And we are planning, and quite confident that we're going to have a thousand people in attendance at the grand opening. Wow! So, that's great. The soil is fertile. Yeah. All right. That's great.
1: What I want to do, Commissioner Steve, I want to pray for Steve. And then uh, after that, I'm going to let David uh, and Chad take it up at the mills and uh, wrap up the message. Um, But I want to pray for your grand opening. and, And I want us to believe that what God is doing in this place, God can do here. Absolutely. God can do here if we're open already. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for Steve and Christy and thank you for the seeds that you planted in each of them individually years ago when they weren't sure who they were, where they were spiritually. You brought them into the kingdom. You, 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 they received the seed of the good news of the gospel of God's mercy and forgiveness and grace. The cross of Jesus Christ changed their life. And God, that cross, that, that, Sacrificial love, Christ, Christ's death for our sake, giving himself for us, changes us. It, 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 preparing the soil is painful, and Jesus went through the pain to prepare the soil for us. And he did that for Cambodia, he's done that for U.S., he's done that for all the people of the world. God, I pray that you would use Steve and use the leadership team and all the team of volunteers, the Cambodians, to really begin a huge move of God throughout Cambodia, not just Siem Reap, but let it spread throughout Cambodia and even elsewhere through Southeast Asia. You're doing amazing works over there, God, in many ways, stuff that we haven't seen in this country for a long time. But God, I pray for it to do even more than they could imagine. And I pray, God, the same for us, that we would be ready and and willing to hear from you. Yes, Lord. Speak to us and start with me. Start with us right here today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.